0: Hey, this morning we have a special guest. You know, we have, we sponsor um, throughout, you know, every year we commit to certain missionaries um, locally, but also uh, internationally and globally. And so um, Sheila from Healing Hearts is here this morning. So I want to welcome her this morning. Thank you, Sheila.
1: Well, good morning, Renton Christian Center. It is a treat and a privilege to be here again. You have welcomed me several times, and I always enjoy my time with you. And Pastor Kevin said, it feels like family, and I always feel that way when I come here. It just is very comfortable. You are very welcoming. You're very kind to give me your attention for just a few minutes. So thank you very much. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. That's one of my favorite things about Healing Hearts, especially when the leaders gather for our national conference, which we just did last month down in Dallas, Texas. Healing Hearts has leaders from all kinds of denominations, states across the United States, in Canada, six other countries around the world. And we come together, and we focus on the one thing that brings us together, and that's our King, Jesus Christ. In our divisive culture right now, unity seems almost non-existent. But as Christians, we can unite based on our salvation through our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Philippians 2, 9 and 10, which I'm sure you're familiar with, says that because Jesus was obedient and died on the cross for us, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. How amazing is it that one day we will all gather united around that throne, giving honor and glory to our King, whose name is Jesus. Revelation 5, 9 says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe, every language, and people, and nations. Which is why we're instructed in Matthew 28, 19, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you that is why healing hearts exists to introduce people to jesus and to disciple them in their walk with the lord healing hearts is a gospel centered grace driven ministry that offers hope and healing in jesus christ through god's word to individuals who have been broken by sin anybody relate to that i know i do healing hearts is healing families one heart at a time I want to extend a huge thank you to all of you here at Renton Christian Center. You have been faithful supporters of this ministry, both through your giving and through your prayers. We have had people from your church involved for many years. Thank you, Doug and Judy. You have been faithful ministers to this ministry. Judy was one of my mentors and trained me into this ministry and has just been a godsend and an amazing asset. And Pastor Kevin and his support of this ministry, and all of you as you are a part of this church supporting this ministry, you are all important and you all contribute, and I wanna thank you. This is the third conference that we've had, the one in Dallas, that has included men in our ministry. It's always been a women's ministry, but we've had these men's studies kind of sitting on the sidelines, and God is finally raising up men to take leadership and to take people through these studies. So I wanted to show you, I brought our two new men's studies hot off the press. We have Restoring a Father's Heart, which is a Bible study for men who are post-abortive. And then we also have The Good Fight, which is our men's study, which is an amazing discipleship tool for men. And the cool thing is, is these are available for free to pastors and elders of churches. If they would like to go through the materials, if they would like to take a group through and get, go through these materials and just see what God has for men in their walk with the Lord. And there are also uh, the women's studies, which you're familiar with. I've talked to you about those, Binding Up the Brokenhearted for post-abortive women, the hem of his garment, another fabulous tool for women for discipleship. And then we also have our teen studies, the first love for girls and the fight of your life for boys. Those are excellent for parents to take your kids through, disciple your kids, youth leaders, mentors. They're fabulous materials, and they're designed to go through the school year. One of the other exciting things, which is why I wanted to wait to come and talk to you till after our conference, because that's where they always tell us all the new things that are happening, is we have a Spanish ministry that is growing. Gangbusters! Um, as you know, I've talked to you about our studies have been translated into Russian and we have a leader in Russia, but we also have them translated in Spanish and God has raised up a lovely lady who is going to be the head of our Spanish speaking ministry. So she is working with Sue Lichtenberg and the other leaders, and they are working on getting our Spanish studies online. So somebody who is Spanish-speaking can take it in their heart language, which as many of you know, if you don't speak English as your first language, speaking in your native language is important, and especially in growing your relationship with God. So those are going to be online soon in Spanish, so we can reach anybody around the world. And there are so many Spanish-speaking countries. Um, We already have a presence in Peru um that is growing very well and then in addition to that we are translating our training materials which i've told you about that happens all online so we can train anybody anywhere in the world those materials are also being translated into spanish i just took a precious young lady through she's got two weeks left of her training Spanish is her first language, English is her second, and she has labored to get through our training and read some of the books that we have them read for training in English, and she has done amazing. She has been a trooper. But going forward, we're going to be able to offer that in Spanish to our Spanish-speaking sisters and brothers so that they can go through the training wherever they are and have that for them as well. You can find out more about Healing Hearts, about our studies Find somebody to take you through the study online, whatever you'd like, at healinghearts.org. Pretty simple, just healinghearts.org. And I would ask you, as you continue to support this ministry, that you would keep us in your prayers, that you would pray for unity of heart and purpose within the ministry, that you would pray for hearts to be softened and open to seeking God's best for their lives, that you would pray for strength and wisdom for those of us who are leaders in the ministry, as well as those who are leading us leaders. And also continue to pray for God's continued financial provision for this vital ministry as we reach out to the brokenhearted around the world. Thank you again for your time and attention, for welcoming me here this morning, and for your faithful support of this ministry. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Sheila. That was great. We love healing hearts. We've been... Walking with them for a long time, haven't we, Judy? Judy's like one of the bosses, right? Boss lady. Hey, we're in John uh, 15 and 16 this morning. And um, I'll just let you know, I'm trying to get better on shortening my time. So amen, you're done. (laughs) Read it and go home. How's that? You know, as the days become a little bit, Different. Oh, by the way, we have Bibles. If you want a Bible, please grab one. As the days become more and more different and even difficult, I think some of the songs we sang this morning are prophetic songs that we will not be shaken. So how, how do we do that? Part of that was we have to get back to the basics of what the Bible has to say to us. And the early church dedicated themselves to four really simple things. I think sometimes we get way out there and we have all these things going on, all this stuff going on. Um, and I just really believe for, for like me personally and for our church, that God is saying we need to get back to what the early church dedicated themselves to. And that was, first of all, to gather. And I know we're in a weird season right now, and some of us cannot gather, and so we're watching from at home. I'm waving at you. Thank you for uh, watching and tuning in. Enjoy your coffee. You know, I put hot chocolate in my coffee. So. so if you want to do that, give it a try. Don't knock it until you try it, right? Um, but they committed themselves to gather together. And then when they gather together, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to learn together. We're going to open up the word, and we're going to learn how to walk with Jesus. And then, you know, this book says how to walk with Jesus together. And that was a great word for Sheila, in unity There's not a lot of unity right now in the church. I talked to my pastor friend in federal way. He's lost half of his church through this whole process. You know, every decision you make, people leave. And, um, yeah, and so we just grieve together, you know. And, uh, yeah, so we walk together in unity. We learn together, and then we pray together. Really cool unity happens when you pray with somebody. It's really hard to really pray and connect with Jesus when you're sitting with somebody and you're like ticked off at him, right? Not much, heaven's not moving much when that happens. And so when you pray together, when we pray together, heaven moves. And then simply live life together. You know, here, yeah, but this is not enough, church, Talking to somebody for 30 seconds to one minute or seeing friends that you haven't seen for 40 years. You know, that's not enough. We have to somehow gather and connect off-site too. And so you can look around the room right now. Maybe you're at home and you're thinking of somebody you haven't seen for a while. Then do something about it. Call them. What a call. Call them. Call them. Anybody else like me, I text somebody to see if it's okay if I call them. Yes? Anybody else? Give me a, if that's you, give me a proud yes. That's, what's wrong with us? All you have to do is just dial their phone number, and if they don't answer, they don't answer. I don't know. I do that. You know, send This is going to be radical, so brace yourself. Send them like a note in the mail. Like I got a cool little custom card thing, yeah, in the mail. Yeah. How cool would that be? You got going through all the junk stuff like, oh, what's this? I don't know. You might have to take it to the police and figure out what this is, you know? But then you open it up, and it's like, oh, my gosh, someone was someone was thinking about me. That's huge, church. It's huge. But we got to get back to the basics is what I believe. And as things are being shaken and as we stand firm in him, I believe good things are coming because our God is good. Now, will it be difficult? Yeah, it might get difficult. But that doesn't change the goodness of our God in the midst of it. I've had these in my office for a really long time. And I was like, oh, I'm going to use these this week. These are Jesus Band-Aids. <laughs> Jesus Band-Aids. So, yeah, they're pretty cool, actually. They're not even open. They're, fr- you know. Band-Aids. Anybody never have a, wear a Band-Aid ever? I'm just curious. Really? Just cut and just healed or just like just I'm just going to bleed out whatever happens happens you know yeah yeah rub dirt on it move on the old cabinet maker band-aid was a little like a kleenex and then just duct tape and then just keep going you know that was super glue works I've done that before yeah so there's two ways you know band-aids pretty easy to put on for the most part Sometimes the little sticky things and it sticks, and like you now you can't get it off your finger, and you pull it off, and you just ruin one. You got to open another one. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Come on. We're just talking about practical stuff today, right? There's two ways to take off a band-aid. It's like super slow, you know, just like it kind of hurts a little bit, or you just like grip and rip it, and just pull it off in one, just one fail swoop, and it's going to sting a little bit, but then it's over, right? Okay, so who's the slow... Uh, I'm, dating, I'm taking surveys. Ruth is, Ruth is um, taking notes. Ruth, you got notes over here. So she's letting you know. She's tallying it up. You're a slow band-aid taker offer. Raise your hand. Okay? One, two, three, four, five. Gretchen, you're a slow band-aid taker offer? I didn't know that about you. Okay? All right. Okay, slow band-aids, okay. So just like that slow pain, a little torture, okay? How about just grip it and rip it? Raise your hand if you're a grip. Oh, wow. I see those hands. Yes. Well, hey, I just want to say that as we look through the Scriptures, there are some Band-Aid moments. There are some Band-Aid moments as we look through the Scriptures. And that's what I love about going through a book in the Bible. I can't make stuff up. I'm going to just read to you what the Bible has to say. And then sometimes we have to wrestle with it, honestly. Yeah, is there good news in this book? Absolutely. And even in the midst of the battle, it's still good news. Though the battle rages, we will stand in the fight. Right? And so John 14, 15, 16, and 17 are Jesus's, literally his last words before he's arrested and put on the cross. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and it is frightening. And it is sad because Jesus is speaking to these guys and saying, yeah, it's going to be rough for you. And I want you to know that. I'm letting you know that up front. But I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Probably the title, best title in the whole Bible, as far as over the top of a chapter, is John 15:18. right before, you know, Jesus gets into it. The world hates the disciples. It's the feel good title of the year, right? And then Jesus goes on, and ah, I love this. Jesus is the first one to use the line, it's not you, it's me. You guys get that line? Like when something's happening in your life and you're like, you know what, Tony, I think, you know, I just want you to know it's not you, it's me, you know. So Jesus says, hey, the reason why the world doesn't like you, and Jesus used a really strong word, that hates you, is because it hated me first. And then he goes on and he goes on and then we pick it up. And Jesus is going to promise. He's going to promise to us that he's going to be with us. Even though you're going to face difficult times, I will be with you. So how is he going to do that? If Jesus is gone, then how is he going to be with us? He's going to send us the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that I believe is still active today, that the Holy Spirit still moves and is active today, just like we read in the New Testament. Because otherwise, how do we live life unless God, through his Spirit, is leading us and guiding us, correctness, us, interceding for us, consoling us? I've experienced the, how God consoles us in the midst of hard times, and it's through his Holy Spirit. The recap is fascinating when you start reading through John 14 through 17, and we're, you know, we're about halfway through that part, and you know... Jesus said, as you move forward with me, apart from me, unless you are plugged into me, you can't do anything. If you're out there trying, for for us personally, how do we apply that? If you're out there trying to live your life right now in the midst of what we're facing, and you're doing it on your own, man, I want to know how you're doing it. Probably not doing it very well, honestly. We need to be plugged into him. Because apart from him, as believers in him, we can do nothing, Jesus said. And then he goes on. And again, I don't think Jesus makes it very difficult for us. He said, so how are you going to do that? How are you going to stay plugged into me? And how are you going to be in fellowship with me and with one another? And what is our responsibility in that? And our responsibility is to love one another. Jesus says it over and over and over in this pa- these passages. He doesn't give us all these other commands except for love one another. And what does that look like? How do we do that? Well, pray about it and see. Send a note. Make a phone call. Text them and ask them if you can make a phone call. You know, do it. He reminds us that this world is not our home. That doesn't mean that we abandon everything because Jesus said, I came to give life, right, abundant life. And he's not just talking about heaven. He's talking about that we can have abundant life right now. Right now. Full, complete, whole lives in him. Remember, apart from him, we can do nothing. So abundant life in him. Even in the crazy, even in the mystery, we can have abundant life. So Jesus knew that tough times were coming for these guys. And so what I love about Jesus is he spoke to their need. Not really what they wanted to hear, but he spoke to their need. And so what did these guys need in this time? Jesus could see what was happening and what was going to happen next. He knew what they needed. They didn't really even know what they needed. They were going to need reassurance. So Jesus would go to the cross and then be gone for three days. For three years, they gave up everything for him and followed him. You can imagine. And then all of a sudden, falsely accused, falsely tortured, hung on a cross, and then put in a tomb. And now, how do you feel? How do you feel? I'll tell you how you feel. You feel lost. You feel like there's no hope, nothing. Nothing. I laid out everything, and now it's gone. And then three days later, rumors. The ladies come back. He's alive. They go try to find him. They don't find him. And then that that night, he shows up in their midst. And their worlds are radically changed. But before that, it was rough, right? And so Jesus is speaking here to them in the midst of all that. They needed to be reassured that God would be with them, that it's going to get rough, but I will be with you. His promise of Emmanuel, God with us, that we only talk about at Christmas, right? It's not just a Christmas passage. By the way, Christmas is 62 days away. You better get started, okay? Isn't that shocking? Christmas is 62, 62 days away. I'm so shocked, I forgot it. I'm just putting it away in my, can we wait? Can we wait a couple more months for Christmas? Well, I guess it is a couple more months, <laughs> right? So Jesus is like, okay, I, I mean, because he loves and cares for us so much, and we can, as the church today, this isn't a passage just written to 11 guys. I believe God's word speaks to us today, and we can look at it, and we can apply it, and the Holy Spirit can move in us today. I believe that some of us in this room, even today, we need reassurance. Some of you watching from home, you need reassurance that your God is with you. That he sees your face. And he knows everything about you and he knows the struggle. Jesus knows the struggle of these men. And so he speaks to it and he lets them know that, hey, I'm there for you. I'm there for you. And I'm giving you these instructions. Now, I don't know if anybody's writing them down back for them. In the moment, they wrote it down after because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit to do it. But who knows? If they're like, oh, Jesus, that was a good one. I need to write that down. Probably not. You ready for the Band-Aid moment this morning? Verse 26 in John 15. Here's the good news. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from my Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Okay, here's a band-aid moment. This is verses that we never talk about in the Word. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Okay, I just got to stop. The fascinating thing about this passage is Jesus says, all of this, verse 1 of chapter 16, all of this I've told you so that you will not fall away. And then he kind of just makes this little statement. Well, you know, some of them are going to kick you out of church. And in fact, when they kill you, they think it's worship. They think they're worshiping Yahweh God when they put you to death. Jesus just says that in passing. What is Jesus concerned about here? Jesus is concerned about us falling away. He's not concerned about our death. That's mind-boggling to me. Because us as human beings, like, I'm concerned about death. I've experienced it close by, you know, and I'm concerned about that. Jesus isn't concerned at all because you know what? For Jesus, when we die, it's good news for us in him because we get to go to heaven forever with him. Just think of heaven. What a cool word that is, right? But what Jesus is concerned for them, and I believe for us, is don't fall away. Hey, it's going to get rough. You need to hold firm to your faith. And whatever happens, don't fall away. That's what Jesus is concerned about here. Verse 3, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes... You will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where am I going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said such things. Yeah, I'd be filled with grief if Jesus is saying, yeah, some of you guys are probably going to die, you know. Verse 7, but very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me That he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Wow. What I love about this passage is when Jesus says, when the advocate comes, not with a question mark, not might, but it's a faith statement, when. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and when He comes, you're going to be OK. Wasn't it an immediate thing for them? Was the Holy Spirit like, when soon as Jesus said this, like, Holy Spirit shows up, we're OK, we're good. No, it would be like 53 days until the Passover. From this point, from this day right here, it'd be 53 days. They would have to go 53 days strictly walking in faith. That's a long time. 53 days, we're like, ah, that's a piece of cake. I don't know about you, but 53 days seems like a long time to me. We know what happens with Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit does show up, and then the world is changed, and the world has changed ever since. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He intercedes for us. He consoles us. He comforts us. He helps us. He guides us, teaches us, and he corrects us. That's just a few things. But Jesus said, I have to go in order for me to send the Holy Spirit. Because, again, and I've said this before, is Jesus limited himself to his humanity. Even though fully God, he limited himself. So he couldn't, just, he couldn't be everywhere. He walked around Galilee. So today he's in Galilee. And next day he's in Bethsaida. You know, all, all these little places, towns. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere now everywhere now. And so that's why Jesus said, I have to go in order for that to happen. The advocate is promised, but it would be a while, right? I want you to turn in your Bibles to another Band-Aid passage, to Hebrews chapter 11. Now a lot of us are like, oh, Hebrews 11. I know Hebrews 11. That's when it talks about all those people, the cool people that have faith. You know? I love how at least in the NIV version, Hebrews eleven two 2 says, this is what the ancients were commended for. I just, I like that. People in the past are called the ancients. I'm not calling anybody ancient in this room, <laughs> okay? I'm just saying what the Bible has to say, okay? Hebrews 11 is a fascinating chapter because it, talk, it kind of goes through a quick history, Talks about Cain and Abel, talks about Enoch. Nobody talks about Enoch, who just literally, God says, this guy's amazing. He's not going to have to die, so I'm just going to bring him to heaven. Only one. Elijah went up in a whirlwind. That would have been kind of crazy. But yeah. Yeah. And it just goes through, and it talks about Abraham. It talks about Sarah and their faith as God would lead them. God would ask them to do something, and they would step out in faith, not having the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would, back then, would just kind of pop in on different people, right? But then it gets towards the end of this chapter, and it's just like this glorious chapter talking about all these amazing people and their blessings and all the things that they accomplished in faith. And then we get down to verse 36 and we have to pull out the Band-Aids. I mean, honestly, I have a hard time reading this because it's talking about all these incredible, amazing people and how they stepped out in faith and even gives their names, right? But then in verse 36, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, but some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Now, this is simply because they believe in Jesus, okay? This isn't because they went out and stole a car, you know, or robbed a money changer. I was going to say a bank, but I don't know if they had banks. But because simply they believed in a living God and followed him, they faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword, and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And what the word of God says about those who suffered in such a way, can you imagine having to pretend to be a sheep just to hide? That's what we're talking about here. Can you imagine some of us in this room being taken out and cut in half simply because we believe in Jesus, that's what was happening here. And then I love verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and in the mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground, simply because they were being persecuted for their faith in the living God. We don't see that today in our society, in our culture necessarily right now. Someone said yet. It might be coming. But in other parts of our world, we see it right now. Millions of people in our world right now persecuted simply because they believe in Jesus. It should humble us, American Christians. It should humble us. And we should really get on our faces before God and intercede for them, intercede for our future, intercede for what God is doing in our country. It's a humbling passage. It's a Band-Aid passage. It's like, man, some of the, man, God, I didn't know. I thought, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him, will, yeah, yeah, so true. But then there's this passage like this. Hey, in the midst of the crazy, I am still with you, God says. Our natural tendency, when that kind of stuff begins to happen in us and to us, is to, to isolate. My temptation, when stuff like that happens, is like, I'm out. I quit. I don't want to do this. We circle the wagons, and it's like, we make it like us versus them. Does that sound familiar right now, church? Church? I think a lot of churches are circling the wagons and it's making us versus them. What does Jesus ask us to do? Our our Savior asked us to be like him. And what did he do? He laid his life down for the world. And so we need to lay our lives down. It's not us versus them. We don't fight like they fight. The way we fight as believers in Christ is we pray, we intercede, And God says, I will then, if you do that, I will then break the strongholds. I will come against the arguments that set themselves up against me. I will take care of the rebellion in their hearts. But we have to first do that. Allow him to take care of the rebellion in our hearts. I don't know about you, but I have a rebellious heart. And I set my mind against some, some things at times. I want my will to be done. Doesn't work that way, believers. It's his will be done. In me as it is in heaven. And that's what I pray all the time. Is it rainbows and puppies and kittens? I saw pictures of kittens today. Someone has a new kitten. Trish, wherever she's at. No, it's not always that. Sometimes it is, but it's not always that. But in the midst of it, God is with us, right? He is with us. So how do we, what do we do? How do we like, respond in the midst of verses like this? How do we suit up and gear up as the church and as individuals, Christians? Well, Ephesians is, gives us a suit of armor to put on. And we're supposed to just, we're supposed to put this on and it's part of its protection for us, but then there's also offensive weapons and the offensive weapon is the word of God and the spirit of God. I encourage you to read Ephesians. We're not going to take time this morning. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Powerful passage. It says, so, so if you're like struggling personally, if you're at home and you're like, man, I'm, I'm in the battle, but I don't feel like I have anything. Well, you read Ephesians 6 and suit up and show up and gear up for what God God has you right now. Jesus said that he would send an advocate for us. I like that word. I don't really use it very often, but what I love about healing hearts is they are advocates for those who are hurting and broken. Post-abortive ministry. We don't talk about that very much in the church. But what that does to people um, is devastating. For some people, they can just do it, and it's no big deal. But I know some people that have made that decision years ago, and they've been haunted by it ever since because they know they took a life. And so Healing Hearts steps in as an advocate to step in the gap for them and give them resources to be able to know that their God forgives them and that they have a hope and a future in him. Well, Jesus sends us an advocate, one who will intercede for us. I don't know about you, but I need people interceding for me, right? Isn't that cool if some, if some, when someone comes up to you and says, hey, I was praying for you this week. You were? Thank you, Right? Well, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, sometimes to the point where we don't even have the words, and the Holy Spirit doesn't even have the words, so he just groans for us because he identifies with our pain and our struggle. He does that. He consoles us in our, in our struggle, something we don't talk about very often, but sometimes when you're just really hurting and someone come, one of your friends come over or whoever They don't even have to say anything. They'll just sit with you, sometimes give you a hug. I had somebody do that with me this week. You look like you need a hug. One of my pastor buddies, they don't really know what's been going on in my life, and they found out, and they just came by and said, you need a hug. So they consoled me in my pain, right? Okay. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Anybody need comforted this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. But yeah, he does. Yeah. The Holy Spirit helps us. Whew. I need help. The Holy Spirit guides us. He teaches us and he corrects us. We don't talk about that last one very often, but I'm thankful for that the Holy Spirit corrects me. And why does God correct me? He corrects me because he loves me. And he knows what's best for me. So he'll bring correction. I've experienced it. Actually, i experienced it a lot. That's because he loves me. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Anybody need a dose of truth this morning? Yeah. I think we do in the times that we're living in. We need to know the truth. As we close this morning, I just want to remind you that, that God is with you. And Judy's word right after worship that he sees your face is is a prophetic word. And you're like, maybe we don't do that very often here, but we're starting to a little bit more. Especially prayer and worship nights, which is coming up in two weeks, um, November 11th. Those nights are an hour and a half. It's Thursday night from 7 to 8.30. It's an hour and a half of just prayer and worship. And it's prophetic. It's healing. We have people Yeah, it's an incredible night. We don't really set an agenda. We just say, God, we want to meet with you. And he shows up every single time, faithfully shows up. And so when Judy comes forward today and says, I think I have a word, that's because our God speaks to us today. Yes, he speaks to us through his word, but he speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Judy would have got up and said something that was contrary to this book, I would have had to have a conversation with her. Right? But it wasn't contrary to this book. It like fit perfectly because that's who our God is. Some of you this morning need to know that you have an intercessor on your behalf. Some of you have been like... (laughs) preaching to myself every week, by the way, church. Some of us are carrying around things that we're not meant to carry. You know, Jesus is our burden bearer, and he said, I will carry that for you, but you have to give it to me. So some of us are carrying around these, like massive baggage, maybe from our past. Maybe it's some of the hurts, um, some, of the, from the, some of the decisions that we made. And Jesus is saying, I died for that. You don't have to carry it. I'll, I'll carry it. And so you can have free hands so I can pour in new things to you. So I believe that as we wrap this morning, I think some of us just need to let, let, let our stuff go. If you need help this morning, then ask God. Be specific with him. I mean, of course he knows. The Bible says that he knows the words before they come out of our mouths. But it's faith. When we pray, it's faith. God, I need help here. I've been praying very specific prayers. And you know what? God is answering me. It's humbling. I want to encourage you to ask for help, if that's you today. His promise to us is that we have an advocate, one who stands with us in the midst of the difficult. But sometimes in the midst of the difficult, we don't recognize that we're being carried, that we're being cared for, that we're being surrounded. And so I want us to take like 30 seconds because our kids are ready. They're ready. They're probably chomping at the bit right now. And even in the midst of wherever you're at, if you're in a very difficult time, whether you're at home or whether you're in the house, I want to encourage you to take a moment and to recognize that he is with you and in it. Because a lot of times in it, we don't recognize it. We feel like we're all alone. We feel like we're isolated. We feel like quitting. We cannot see what's next. And in this passage, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to help you to see what's next. So let's just take just a few moments, and I want to encourage you to recognize the fact that you are surrounded, that he is surrounded with you and is caring for you. God, thank you that you see us. Thank you that you know our face. You recognize us. Lord, for anyone carrying a burden this morning that they're not supposed to be carrying, Lord, I pray that they'd be able to let that go today before they leave this room. Just a quick conversation. Jesus, I can't carry this anymore. Will you carry it for me? That's all you have to say, church. And then leave it here. Don't pick it up again. Leave it here. Jesus, for those who need intercession this morning, for those who need to be consoled this morning, for those who are asking for help that need guidance, need to be taught, need to be corrected, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, that we would take time to spend with you because time with you and conversation, honest and open conversation with you that's what will take us to the next level in our relationship with you. So I pray that this week we'd be able to do that. I thank you for my, my family here. I thank you for those who are watching from home. I know that you would continue to meet with us. Yes, corporately, yes. Even more importantly, individually, we invite you to meet with us. And we give you thanks for all the things that you're doing, God. Thank you for loving us, for knowing us and caring for us. Thank you for your word, even though sometimes it's very difficult. But in the difficult, you remind us that you're with us. And you you tell us exactly what we need when we need it. And that's what you did with them, and that's what you do with us. So thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church. Really good to be together. Say hi to somebody. Before you run out of here, say hi to somebody, would you? Okay. All right. God bless you.